Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Stoppage time is live on a Wednesday, getting caught up on one of the craziest games I've ever seen in my life and looking ahead to a game that I hope won't be as crazy, but will maybe have the same result, at least in the three points for Atlanta United. Um, Mike, we've talked. I mean, we talked on full time report about this game. We I talked about it on Atlanta soccer tonight in a little more detail on Monday. I think what I'd like to do, and we'll set the table here at the beginning, what I'd like to do is get questions early today from people about the San Jose game, because I'm very curious where some of the takes are lingering as we get to midweek, and then look ahead to Toronto at the end, because Toronto, there's still some unknown stuff about them. We don't know if Lorenzo Insigne is going to be back for this weekend. I am assuming not, based off what looked like a leg slash groin injury. Um, I don't. I can't imagine he would be pushed back into action that quickly, um, which makes Toronto a little bit harder to scout. But I'd love to, off the top, get questions from folks because I'm just wondering what the takes are right now, where the vibe is, what the conversation is after we saw something that, frankly, we might not ever see again. Two golosos in stoppage time to win the match. By the same guy. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that part makes it especially uh, unique. It, we, we've seen matches where there are two goals in stoppage time to produce a result. We've seen it. I Shoot, we've seen matches where there are two goals between the two teams that maybe nullify a result. 
so, I mean, that that's not totally uncommon, but the quality of the goals and the fact that the same person scored both, really very unique. Uh, another just, I, I don't know why, Atlanta United and San Jose Earthquakes are incapable of playing just an ordinary match. It is one of the weirdest phenomenon where all four matches between these teams all time have been just bonkers. I'll give just you bonkers. possibly the craziest stat in Atlanta United history. Possibly. So when... Atlanta United has fallen behind in the first 30 minutes when they've conceded first and they've, they've been losing in the first 30 minutes. They've only won six times coming back in that. That's why the early goal is so important. That's why game state is so important. I, I dug deep into that on Atlanta soccer tonight. I believe they've lost off the top of my head 41 times when they've fallen behind in the first 30 minutes. I think five were draws. But of the six wins, three of those are against San Jose. Right. <laughs> That's nuts. That's insane. Right. Uh, but just to show how difficult it is, and, and also kind of to go back in time, just to show how special the 2018 team was, three of those six wins were 2018, and there's only been one since the 2018 season before Saturday. It was Cincinnati on Decision Day in 2021. <laughs> yeah, and that, that one was weird because they got down early. I think it was... Zico Bailey, who scored in that yeah, game, and you still like you, you never really felt worried about it because you had to lose by like nine goals right. to miss the playoffs. And, right, a little bit uh, different vibe. And, and Cincinnati was so bad, like you still kind of had a feeling that you were going to get a result out of that. What were the other two in 2018? I'm trying to remember that now. Um, uh, I will pull up my notes. I did my head. I did some research for uh, Atlanta soccer tonight on Monday. That, that is a really good stat. That is a heck of a stat. Trailing after 30 to come back and win? So or to get con- a and even more detailed, to concede first. Just okay. in general, when they've conceded in the first 30 minutes and been trailing. Not if they scored first and then the other team scored in the first 30. But you give up the first goal, you're losing in the first 30. Six. 31 and 5 overall. Okay. Three of the wins against San Jose, the win Saturday night, the win decision day uh, in Cincinnati in 2021. And the other two that aren't San Jose related are a crazy one early in 2018, Montreal, where you conceded in the 13th minute and then came back to win 4 1. And didn't score till the 70th. Kevin Kratz, yeah. <laughs> that one was nuts. By the way, that honestly, there were, were very, very similar feelings. A um, little bit. That, that, well, just, just in that Montreal, they scored off a throw-in early, and then they stopped playing. Yeah. You know, San Jose, they score early, a little bit against the run of play, and then they kind of stopped playing. Uh, and you needed free kicks to win, just as you did against Montreal in 2018. That's a good one. The other one was D.C. in 2018. Uh, D.C. as at home, they scored in the eighth minute. Atlanta tied it up in the 30th and then went ahead in the 54th and won 3-1. I I didn't remember D.C. scoring first in that game. Yeah. um, Eighth minute goal. Wow. Yeah. Well, oh, good stat. It's it's tough tough to do. You You give up the early goal, everything changes. And I think 
to to kind of preface before we jump into the questions, I, I think people's opinions about Saturday night are very colored subconsciously by that fact. It's very hard to concede first early and win because teams might sit back and, and just drop deep, play a low block, start frustrating you, start with time, all that kind of stuff because they have the lead. Your team might press a little bit more in terms of rushing things, taking some ill-advised shots, those things that happen when you're chasing a game. That's why the first goal is critical. That's why not conceding early is critical. And I think the other element of maybe the reaction to Saturday is the fact that 2022 Atlanta United conceded in the first 30 minutes to go behind 11 times Mm. and only came back to get two draws out of that. Yeah. So a little bit of PTSD maybe, but I thought Atlanta United played well in general. You can't concede first and expect to win on a regular basis as these stats show you. But they played well. Game state affects everything in this match after the first goal. And they found a way to win it. And just frankly, you saw two of the best goals you might ever see in your life. Period. There's no way around it. They were that good. Thiago Almada, take the two goals out, was really good. Put the two goals in. One of the best performances in an Atlanta United uniform, period, ever. Totally agree. Yeah, I I mean, you bring up a really good point about just the PTSD of 2022 and how many times we saw matches play out in that manner where Atlanta United dominates statistically, but they don't necessarily get the reward for it. That did happen quite a bit last year. There were a few times where Atlanta United was able to find out of that, like the Seattle match, uh, where maybe the Charlotte home match, where dominated statistically and yet found themselves in a position where they were not going to win until the very end, and then they had a moment of magic. I mean, they did kind of fight out of that a couple times. Maybe the D.C. road match would be another example. Yeah, but, didn't fall behind, but yeah, you had to fight. But but to a large degree, um, and to the point that Atlanta United had never come back and won a match after trailing at 75 minutes, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's what you saw on Saturday is not a result Atlanta United would have gotten last year. Here's what I think is the most important part, and what I think got lost in the hysteria of Saturday is that Atlanta United was missing three very key first-choice players from their starting 11. Two of them didn't play at all. One of them only got to play about a half and was very impactful when he got in the match. That's Derek Etienne. But imagine now... Yeah, because I, I think Atlanta United defended pretty well. I think you're going to have a question about Abram or Parata going forward, but I think they defended pretty well. I thought Brad, given what we've seen of him in the preseason, a little bit of a rust concern, thought Brad was really good. I thought Miles was great, defended very well. Um, you know, midfield, quite frankly, I know the midfield has been the target of a lot of narratives lately. I, I thought Franco Ibarra was really good Saturday. I thought Mateus Josetu was good on Saturday. But now imagine taking this group and adding in a Santi Sosa, a Derek Etienne, and a Yorgos Yakimakis. I mean, you got to win on Saturday from behind with your starting center forward, your starting holding midfielder out, and your starting left winger only able to play a half. I think that's a really, really good sign. Really should good be. sign. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. 
Uh, what questions do we have in the uh, Twitch pitch? On the Twitch pitch. Or the Facebook uh, pitch as well, the Facebook field. On, on Facebook field will work as well. Uh, Blute, Blute, did we already discuss? No. How silly it was that MLS had one game total on opening weekend Sunday. Uh, personally, like a lot of the conversation about MLS and, and scheduling games, it was about having regular kickoff times. So I, I know we can flip it. And then the people who were okay with the times bouncing around and different games at different times are now going to say, well, I wish we had this. Um, I don't think you would have benefited from having more games on Sunday personally. Um, I just, I, I don't, I, I think we all want what the way we like it and the way we like to consume our games. And in a perfect world, yeah, I would be able to watch a couple of games early in the day before going to the stadium and then watch a late game when I get home and then watch three games in a row on Sunday. That would, I would love that because I would do it because I'm a degenerate when it comes to MLS. But in general, the league has not found success with that scheduling model in in terms of TV ratings and in terms of, you know, that side of it, the attendance in the building has been good, but they haven't benefited from it. So I don't know if strategically it would have made a big change, honestly. Now, what I did like about it and what I liked about the little bonus Monday night game as well with the weather forcing Portland and sporting Kansas City into their own slot was it can create a game of the week feel. And that can be like the Premier League has tried to do with Friday nights from time to time, um, like they do in Spain with the late night kickoff, like a 3.30 or a 4 o'clock kick at our time, but it's more like a 9 or 10 o'clock kick in Spain. Leagues will try it. NFL's had success with it. Major League Baseball's done it with Sunday night baseball back in the day. Like all, all kinds of different sports do it. I don't hate the idea, but we are in a different world now with Apple TV and with streaming and with not being reliant on those things that were very important in a linear TV world. This is different. So it's too early to call for me in terms of, of spacing the games out. And if they, they would have benefited from having more on Sunday, I think they got a lot of bang for their buck with all the games on Saturday night, personally. I agree, and I would just add that I think there's an attendance consideration that comes into play. Uh, Look at Seattle hosting on Sunday night, drawing 30,000. That's a good number, but not a great number for Seattle. You know, perhaps that number had been higher if they played not on a school night. So I I think that needs to be considered as well. Um, And look, here's the other thing. With with Apple TV, you get every match blackout free. If you want to watch a match on Sunday, click another match. There's no way you can watch them all at once on Saturday, you know. Stay I'm, it, off it's Twitter, harder but... for me. Yeah, stay off Twitter. That's nice to say, but come on now. You um, you I I can't do it. Like I'm I'm one of those that if I know the score, if I know what happened, or if it's you know like a day later and somehow I've avoided it, I'm not as excited about it. And if it's live. I am more excited about it, and I'll watch it. So I I get the idea. I just think the way it's played out, the best thing for the league is this Saturday night, having the whip around show and and doing all of that. I think it's going to end up creating more buzz 
than having games spread out. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tom wants to know what we think the ideal midfield is for this team, and is it actually even all here right now, or is it something they'll focus on this summer? I, uh, Tom, I, and, and I, I think we've, we've had this conversation before. I, I frankly do not understand what the obsession is with the midfield problems for Atlanta United. I, I truly do not. Um, yes, I well, think the... I, can I interject for one second? Yeah. It, would it be fair at least to say that there has been maybe some consistency questions about Abara? Um, Labarra's maybe, not. maybe Jose too, and, and that might even be unfair to Abara because he's been injured so much. Yeah, look, like, I, I don't think it's it's that, and I, uh, let me let me figure out the best way to put this. So, I feel like things pop up and become narratives because of just randomness at, at times with with the midfield, especially Mateus Hosechu criticized relentlessly in the bird app and other places about not passing the ball forward. Mateus Osetu had more progressive passes per 90 minutes last year than any season Darlington Nagby had in Atlanta. And he was never criticized for not being a progressive passer. That's passing the ball forward over a certain distance on a regular basis. Osetu is not Nagby, but the numbers are a lot more similar than he gets any credit for. Uh, I think the best midfield, well-rounded, is Sosa, Hosechi, and Almada. I, I think that is your midfield, and that would be the midfield that you would pencil into the the regular starting lineup. 
Ibarra with his play on Saturday, he was outstanding. He and and him and Hosechu were both really good because they traded off and we we can't do this thing where Hosechu's criticized for not passing the ball forward enough and then he's in the top 10 in MLS and passes into the final third. You know, we, we can't keep doing this. Atlanta United, one of the top teams in the league and passes into the final third and passes into the penalty area. Real numbers. Game state affects it. Now, that's why at the beginning of AST Monday, and that's why we started here, you give up the early goal, the other team's going to sit back more. They're going to let you have a little bit more of those. But this midfield played forward. Ibarra, very good defensively. And when Ibarra went to chase, which was something I was a little worried about positionally, Hosechi sat. You actually look at the heat map, and Ibarra had more touches further forward than Hosechi did. Hosechi sat a little bit more. Because he reads the game well, and that's what suited the group that day. I think they were good. They had nothing to do with the goal that was conceded, and they had nothing to do with the lack of goals until late in the game. They didn't. It's it's not on the midfield. So what happened on Saturday, in my opinion, is that Ibarra showed that he wants to play more this season if everybody's healthy, because he played really well. And if he plays like that, he should. I don't think he's the same player as Hosechu on the ball. Although he was very good uh, on Saturday. Not as good as Hosechu on the ball, but very good. Long passes, not as good as Hosechu. Final third passes, not as good as Hosechu. And that's something that Mateos needs to improve on. But when you have Sosa sitting and you're looking for the partner there, because that's what it is. It's Sosa and it's Almada and it's a partner the best partner to complement the two of them is Mateus Hosechu. Mm -hmm. There are going to be games and moments in games where, like we saw Saturday, a Marsadich comes on for Hosechu. More of a number 10, more comfortable picking out that pass in the final third, not as good defensively, not as athletic, not somebody that you want sitting as deep. It's a different character, different personality. There's going to be games where you want to close it out and you want to bring on Ibarra for Hosechu. And you want that hard tackling physical presence in the midfield. But I think the best trio is in this roster, and I don't think it should be a surprise. Sosa, Hosechu, Almada. And Tom, by the way, does clarify. He he doesn't think that the midfield's a bad or big issue. He's just wondering what our thoughts were. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's a topic. It's absolutely a topic. I, I just think it's an overblown topic. That's all. Yeah. And I think that's fair as well. A couple comments on the Twitch pitch just about the atmosphere in the building. Alex says, best home crowd feel since Cincinnati before the pandemic at the start of the 2020 season. Uh, let's go, Ducks. I've flown in for five games with at least 60,000 in the building. This was the loudest since MLS Cup, he says. It was loud. It was. Uh, and, and, you know, I know there's a lot of... Oh, her, der, you know, they, they give you announced attendance and not the actual ticket count. Her, der, rabble. I, I'm going to just tell you something. I know they announced it at 67. I don't know if it's actually 67. I really do think it was over 60. Oh, I thought easily. it was a really, really good crowd. And I'm going to go off on a narrative now. For all these narratives out there about I'm not renewing my season tickets. The wait list must be uh, exhausted. Nobody wants to see the way they play. That was as good a crowd they've had since the end of the 2019 season, uh, in, in my opinion. As far as just butts and seats, people invested, 
loudness. And and you know what? I'll I'll tell you another thing. I think the supporters groups deserve a ton of credit. And by the way, Ladose, welcome. All stripes, welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. There there was support at the end of this match, even when it looked like after maybe 80 minutes, it wasn't going to go favorably. Uh, I really liked to see and hear the crowd try to lift this team back into the match. So for all the narratives of, I'm not going anymore because number seven's not here, um, that didn't quite square with what I saw on Saturday, in my no, opinion. It, it did not. Um, good crowd. It, it I... I the way the business of professional sports is about tickets being sold and that's how it's counted. That's consistent across all the major leagues in this country. So exactly. that, that narrative in terms of, ah, oh, I can't believe they do stop. Everybody does that. That's how it is. <laughs> um, two, this is uh, something that I've talked about before and I have no problem with fans who say that they want to support a winner and they want the team to win. And that's, what's going to determine how energized they are and how excited they are about coming and how often they come. That's fine. That's, that's honest. That's legit. That's fine. Don't take winning and style of play to be the same thing because they're not. And, and that's That's what has, has dramatically bothered me in terms of, of that conversation, because this team does not play boring soccer, and they never have, even under Frank DeBoer, which I know how people will say. It's not true. Numbers don't back it up. My memories don't back it up. Those games don't back it up. Team scored plenty of goals. Team attacked. Did they attack in as reckless of abandon as they do now, personally? No, they don't. You want you want an, an opinion from me. Gonzalo Pineda's Atlanta United is the most attacking with abandon, with risk, with getting numbers forward that this club has ever had. Far more attacking than Tata Martino's team. Not about goals. That's result. Style. If we're going to criticize style, I feel like that is completely wrong because they get numbers forward. They go for goals. They try to attack. At times, they take huge risks defensively because they're trying to get forward and score goals. You can't guarantee scoring the goal, just like you can't guarantee hitting the home run, just like you can't guarantee winning the game. Right. But the style is very attack-minded. I, I have a blast watching it. I have a blast calling it. I'd love to see more wins on a regular basis, and I think we're going to see that this year. But that does not equal style. All right, well, well let's start with Toronto then, because that's next up. You know, it's funny. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Dave Johnson last night, DC United announcer. He also does Wizards games on the radio. He and I had a really nice chat last night. DC played Toronto last weekend. Great game. Beat them 3-2. Dave said it was a, an awesome home opener. You know, you come from behind, you win in the 98th minute on a third goal. That's a good night in MLS, and that's what happened with DC. Dave's message to me was that Toronto – is a really, really good side. And they played just as dangerously after Insigne went out as opposed to when they had Insigne on the pitch for the first 30 minutes. So even if Insigne is out on Saturday, look, we know Toronto. We know Osorio. We know Larea. We have seen these players a bazillion times before. Uh, we've seen Bernardeschi a little less than a bazillion times, but we've still seen him. 
we all know about Michael Bradley. I mean, it, like a lot of the faces have not changed. And I just bring that up because I, I think as Doug Roberson correctly tweeted today, for all the chatter about the wild series between Atlanta United and San Jose, there have been more than a few wild matches between Atlanta United and Toronto over the years, too. Yeah, not every one of them, like San Jose, but there's been Some quite have been a few. awful. That's true. Some have been awful. Yeah, there have been a few that have been kind of bland. Um, I watched Toronto and D.C. back uh, earlier in the week. I'm going to watch it back again uh, either Thursday or Friday. Uh, they're different without Insigne because Io Akinola is more of a nine. He's not a winger. And when he comes on to play on the wing, it really changes the way that they look. And I wonder with a whole week to prepare if they more dramatically change how they look, if it looks maybe more like a three, five, two or a four, four, two, as opposed to a four, three, three with a forward playing on the wing is going to come inside more. Cause that's where he's used to being. Uh, Bernardeschi is one of the most talented players in the league period. Just is uh, left foot's amazing. He's great on the dribble. Um, runs a little hot and cold in, in games. Um, you're not going to get a ton out of him defensively, and that creates opportunity for Atlanta. But on the ball, he's unbelievable. And on the dribble, just unbelievable. What you want to do against Toronto, in my opinion, is you want to make them defend for long sequences because I don't think they're very good at it. Um, this is a team that has Michael Bradley as their six. This is not Michael Bradley five years ago. This is an older Michael Bradley. I think he needs help in that midfield, and I don't think he necessarily gets it with the way that they're structured. Mark Anthony Kay is kind of along the lines of Franco Ibarra in terms of going to hunt the game and, and getting forward. Um, doesn't always just sit. Jonathan Osorio, you want him forward. If he's sitting, that's a win for you. You, you want him forward if you're Toronto. Defensively, they're better with Sean Johnson in goal. They're better with Matt Hedges. It's still coming together with that group. Larea is going to get forward a ton. Uh, Petretta, the, the left back, is new. Pretty solid game one for him. Um, born in Germany. Uh, represented Italy at the youth national team levels. Started his career in Switzerland. So uh, the, the passport is very well worked for him. Um, <laughs> but he's new to the team and new to the league. Uh, this is an interesting team that Bob Bradley is still remaking. You know, they're better than they were when he got there. They're better than they were last year because you have a top center back in the league in Hedges and a top goalkeeper in the league in Johnson. And defensively last year, they didn't have that. So they're better. Losing Insigne is a huge loss. Um, Adama Diamande up top, that's the other big addition that he was great for Bradley at different stops in his career. LAFC, outstanding, faded away towards the end at LAFC, and he really hasn't done much since he left LAFC in August of 2020. So what does he still have left in the tank? He beat out Akinola for the number nine spot, but now they're probably both going to play unless it's reimagined for this game. So it's a game that I, I like Atlanta United's chances a lot. I, I like the matchup, I think, if... You know, you look at San Jose being forced back to sit back and defend. They did pretty well in that. I don't think Toronto's as good in that situation. Toronto is better playing in the attacking half. That's where they're dangerous. And if you can make them sit and defend, Hedges isn't the fastest. Backline's not the fastest. Bradley's not the fastest. You can start to pull things apart. And that's what Atlanta United's going to need to do on Saturday. Play fast, pin Toronto back, especially that midfield. You take away their effectiveness. And yeah you might have to wear them down for a period of time because they're going to try to condense the space on you and you've got to find it. I love the fact it's a home match. Uh, I love the you, fact that you're getting, 
getting them early when, as you said, they're still trying to figure out in the back uh, between Hedges and Johnson and, and Bradley in the middle. Um, you're going to see them again really soon. I think you play them yeah. April 15th. You do. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be done with Toronto by mid-April. But we talked about the runway that Atlanta United would potentially have to begin this season and the opportunity to string together some, some good results. You know, Toronto at Charlotte, Portland at Columbus. Those are your next four. You've already beaten San Jose. I think you have a really, really good chance of earning – You've already earned three. I think you have a really good chance to get 12 or 13 points out of these first five matches. That that might sound a little bit aggressive, but based on Charlotte's performance against New England, um, based on I'm not a believer in Columbus, and they got smoked by Philadelphia, and the fact that you have the Timbers coming to your house and you have Toronto coming to your house and the Benz has got to become a fortress again this year, I, I – I think the opportunity is there. And again, points you earn in March count just the same as points you earn in October. The cliche that I love to give you. Yes. Uh, let's take the training wheels off, everybody. Uh, this team can win games. This team, according to the chief soccer officers and general managers and technical directors around the league, this team can win MLS Cup. Uh, nobody else except for Philadelphia had more than three people think that was the fact. Nobody else in the league. So... Yeah, they can win. Tw- they can win four of their first five. Absolutely, they can. This is a really good team that we have not seen at their best yet. Yorgos Yakimakis is going to make things a whole lot better up top, in my opinion, because he's going to get more than two touches over ninety minutes inside the eighteen. Two forwards, Jackson Conway and Miguel Berry, only two touches in the eighteen between them. Yakimakis will increase that number dramatically because he's going to make good runs off the ball, and he's also going to demand the ball in those situations. And I think he's going to really impact the team in a big way. I think Derek Etienne playing 90 minutes will really impact the team in a big way. Getting Sosa back at the base of the midfield will make everything flow just a little bit quicker on the ball. And I do think Luis Abram will will get the job on the back line eventually. Just don't know when that looks like. And his ability to play out of the back, his ability to get forward as well, carry the ball forward when teams sit deeper, it's how San Jose got their goal. Atlanta wasn't sitting deep, but they carried it forward. You create mismatches. Luis Abram, we saw it very late in the game on Saturday. He did the same. So I think this team is a really good team that the expectations should be high for. Are they the best team in the league right now? No, I think Philadelphia is. On paper, I think they they are the best team. That's the, the standard right now in the East. Don't know if their win over Columbus was quite as dominant as some other people have have stated. They had two penalties that uh, they were a little, little, little fortunate. But you take those, you get the points, you get the win. I'm I don't know where Columbus is going to be yet. I think Atlanta has as good of an opportunity to push Philly as anybody else in the East. And you stack up points early, makes that job a whole lot easier. Okay, I think we end it there. Uh, We'll be on the air 7 o'clock Saturday night. Remember, on Star 94 this week, Star 94, Saturday at 7 o'clock, 7.30 the kickoff, full-time report after the match. If you're watching on Apple TV, you know you can sync the audio with us if you'd like. You're more than welcome to. And just because we're on Star doesn't mean that functionality changes. So uh, just keep that in mind. Jason and I will then be back here next Wednesday. 2 p.m.
for another edition of Stoppage Time as we look ahead to going to Charlotte. And you know what's funny? We've had this beautiful March. Well, today's March 1st. Beautiful February in terms of weather. It's been warm early spring. And it looks like, just based on the advanced forecast, next Saturday in Charlotte, looks like it's going to be frigid. So go figure. <laughs> but we'll, we'll deal with that. Uh, but any, and, and Tom... You can listen to us in the building. Just take a radio and uh, you know, cool. 94.1. I get a kick out of, oh, I, I wish we could sync you up for the road games. You can. You always have been able to. Use the Odyssey app. So yeah, I think it'll be easier to sync us up for the road games personally with Probably. Apple and the ability to pause and, and all that. I, I think it'll be easier to get it. So, yeah, and in the building, you can still find the, the actual little radios that you can carry in. And they're pretty cheap. So yep. I know if you're going to listen on your phone, it's delayed, but you can get a little radio. I know people who do. I have cool. one. So, all right. See you next week. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.